Welcome to our weekly and Episcopal Sermon podcast. We are so glad you found us. This is a live recording of the gospel reading and sermon from last Sunday's service at the Episcopal Church in Almaden. The life of this podcast depends on your listening support. If you enjoy our podcast and would like to support us, simply subscribe to this podcast on your channel of choice. Come, join us along our shared path for today's episode. The Holy Gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, according to Matthew. Glory, Glory to you, Lord Christ. Christ. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to speak and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for theirs is the kingdom, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who are hungry and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you, and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, Lord, Lord Christ. Christ. Come, Holy Spirit, and give us that remarkable rapport of speaking and listening, that what is said and what is heard may be useful to you and to your kingdom for Christ's sake. Amen. Amen. Would you be seated, please? For those of you who have heard me preach before, and it's been some time since I was a regular here, you may be aware that I like to pick up on what is relevant to people in their own thinking. And generally, when you begin exactly with Scripture, that's not exactly, unfortunately, what is most relevant to most people. And so I generally begin a sermon with something that has a little more relevance. And I brought it with me here this morning. It says here, NFL. They've got that right. And to make that complete, I will add an exclamation point. There. The props are in place. We can begin. Well, congratulations for stirring yourself to come out this morning instead of glue to pregame spectacle. Uh, today is a big day because our local 11 are going to be playing for the NFL championship. And uh, that champion will again play in two weeks, the AFL champion, and there will be something called a spectacular bowl. So most of you here are probably focusing not so much on the sermon. You may not even be focusing upon worship. I doubt if you're focused entirely upon Scripture because the Scripture is a very contrarian response to the attitude and mood of the day. But that will happen a little later. 
The 49ers are playing Philadelphia uh, for the uh, National Football League Championship. And uh, myself, I prefer college football. I'm a huge Stanford and University of Texas fan, having gone to both institutions and still follow them closely. So I prefer college, but I will also join you and many others this afternoon in something professional, more professional than college. And I anticipate the uh, seasonal spectacular this afternoon and two weeks, in two weeks, the really spectacular Super Bowl. Closer to home, uh, we'll be watching this virtually. It's said that the uh, American population will consume 15.7 tons of guacamole dip, washed down with your favorite brew, mine being Samuel Adams. And so I must say that uh, I'm right with those folks. However, I'm experiencing a little paralysis by analysis right now. Stats, reports of injuries, how's the hero doing? Will he be able to play? Emails from my youngest daughter, Julie, who lives fairly close here, uh, telling me everything she thinks I don't know and wants me to know, and I will listen like I have never heard it before. And uh, what otherwise is, uh, is uh, worship uh, here, worship is a little different in the secular world, probably got more to do with professional football than the creator of the universe. But more on that in a minute. I hope to maintain, as I watch football this afternoon, a different kind of focus than which will be enjoined upon me uh, by the announcers. Uh, they will be facing and offer me what I would call short-term hype. But I, in my own life, try, even in the face of short-term hype, to think about something that is a little more lasting and enduring. That is to say, what it will be like when I come to face God, either in the face of my wife or people that I gather with and my own friends, and certainly in life after life, which is not long, I suppose, for me. It's a unique perspective, that is to say, having a mindset set upon God and a mindset that is set upon the NFL playoffs. And so I'm going to share with you a little bit about what the Scripture says this morning about the mindset that you should have if you're going to come before God, which sooner or later you will, I can assure you. And whether it's heaven or hell depends upon how you like that. Because in death, all you have is relationship, nothing else, just relationship. And so how you are able to relate, either in short-term hype or long-term perspective, determines how you're going to feel in life after life. And so I'm going to provide you with uh, what three readings have to say this morning. You've heard them. And I'm going to pluck out what is germane in each one of those, Paul, Micah, and Matthew, and talk a little bit about what each one of those people you should know if you come and when you come before God. Now, Micah lived a long time ago, <clears throat> about 1,200 years ago, in the southern kingdom of Judah. That's where Palestine is now. And there were two kingdoms in Judah at that time, the southern kingdom of Judah and the northern kingdom of Israel. And Israel was under a severe threat from Assyria, uh, off to the northeast uh, of Israel. And so there was a lot of wondering about what's going to happen next in Judah. 
And so Micah lives in Judah, and what his writing is all about is preparing people to develop an attitude and a point of view and a way of living that will help them uh, provide the help from God that they will need when they have to face the Assyrians. And so the reading this morning is really, if you look, listen to it carefully, it's like a, a, the nation's courtroom. Uh, Micah is calling his nation to account. They are the defendants, and uh, the judge has got to do with the creation that is around them. And so Micah is telling him and reminding them that God has been kind and merciful and generous to them throughout their history. So what's happened to you, Judah? And he kind of wonders, what has happened? What's gone wrong? And he argues his case in this hypothetical courtroom, argues his case <clears throat> for the viewpoint of God and not so much for what is happening around them in terms of a weak and vacillating king and a lot of corruption in their nation. If you think about it a bit, that sounds a little too familiar, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. And so um, what, what, what uh, Micah enjoins upon his people, when you come before God, you want to have done justice, loved kindness, and walked humbly. Now, isn't that a contrarian way of thinking about things on a, on a playoff game for the NFL? Very, very different point of view, different kind of attitude. And my hope is that when you sit in front of your television this afternoon, as many of you probably will, you won't lose sight of loving kindness, walking humbly, as Micah would enjoin you. Moving on to Corinthians. My, that was a boastful group. Part of the fruits of the Super Bowl win is bragging rights for a whole year. If you have lots of friends at work or in your neighborhood, and if you have, happen to have any uh, Philadelphia Eagles around, you have bragging rights, if, <laughs> if, a big if this morning, I think. And so the sermon uh, for serious fans, for serious fans, it's a matter of victory of my team, which gives you status and stature for the rest of the year among your friends, your friends, your family, your neighbors, and your co-workers. And if you need it in the interior sense, it helps out your interior pride as well to have your team win. And the same attitude was prevalent with the Corinthians at that particular time. A lot of fighting and struggling amongst those early Christians living in Corinth. They were conflicted over social status, economic status, educational status, and there were several groups that were vying for a sense of spiritual superiority within that particular congregation. I happen to have served in lots of congregations in my time, and I've seen it. I've seen that same kind of conflict going on about who's got more money and who's socially higher and who's got the intellectual ability that's greater than the preacher. And so uh, that was the argumentation that was going on uh, amongst the Corinthians in their congregation. Now, if you, if, you, if you think about in terms of wins on Sunday and two weeks hence, then take your clue from the 49ers' third-string quarterback. He is a contrast to almost everyone else on the field. You've got this lowly, Mr. Irrelevant, 
last man to be picked in the draft named Brock Purdy, who has gone from being the cornerback for the B team to being the first string cornerback and not having lost a game yet for the 49ers. What does he look like to you? He looks like he's probably playing for a junior high school team. He doesn't leap and jump around. He doesn't pound his helmet when he's done something wrong. He doesn't throw his helmet in the air when he's been right. He just goes right straight ahead. And as I watch Brock Purdy, he reminds me a little bit of how Paul would enjoy those Corinthians about their struggle over status. Brock Purdy doesn't seem to worry about his status. He assumes it's probably okay if he wins or whether he loses. And so I think that Brock Purdy is a really interesting illustration of Paul's injunction to the Corinthians, don't boast. He's not boasting. He's just trying to play football. In fact, he's had very little to boast about. And so Paul writes to the Corinthians and says, God shows those who are foolish in the world to shame the wise. <laughs> he's been doing that. God showed us what is weak in the world to shame the strong. More Brock Purdy. God showed us what is low and despised, surely Brock Purdy, in the world, things that are not to reduce to nothing, things that are, so that no one might boast in the presence of God. I wonder about his spiritual life. There must be something special there that has been missed by the pundits. Then we get to... Uh, the gospel reading for this morning. Uh, the gospel reading is, is, has a, a piece of that on the front page of your bulletin. Following Jesus' baptism and the realization of the power and strength that he has been given in his own life, uh, he is directly, directly tempted into the wilderness of the Super Bowl. Uh, he, he, he is tempted to make winning by passing a touchdown for the last miracle stones to bread. He's tempted to uh, be voted the most valuable Super Bowl player by virtue of, of uh, power and splendor. He's been tempted to go for the highest paid player ever. Angel Gardy, if you're cut next year. Shades of Jim Garoppolo, <laughs> or Garoppolo. Uh, hired by the 49ers to start as a star. Then, injured, he got well, likely to be traded, back to the first string, on the injury, and now the odd man out. So he has very, very little to boast about and very, very little uh, to be tempted about. He just seems like Purdy. Interesting to have two players on one team with the kind of attitudes that they have towards their life. I think it's worth looking at and emulating. Like Jesus, he's avoided the pit pole of pain. He suffered two injuries, and it looks to me like he has an uncertain future. He'd probably be traded. Who knows who he'll go to? Maybe some uncertain team. And finally, if we're talking football, in contrasting those to the attitudes enjoined by the three readings this morning, think about Derek Carr. There's Derek Carr. He's played for the Vegas Raiders for about seven years now. Not done very well. In the middle of this season, the starter was benched for the rest of the season and guaranteed that he will be traded at the end of the season. I wonder how he's doing. I wonder how the usual Super Bowl attitudes would work 
for Derek Carr at the point of his nadir, the nadir of his particular NFL career. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for they will know the unutterable beauty of simply winning or losing. Blessed are those who mourn, for they have dared to risk their bodies by giving of themselves. Blessed are the meek, for the gentle shall embrace them and hallow them as their own. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall know the taste of noble thoughts and deeds and a happy life regardless. Blessed are the merciful, for in return theirs is the gift of just being able to play. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall be at one with themselves and even in losing with both teams. Blessed are the peacemakers, for theirs is a kinship with everything that is holy post-game. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs will set them free to play and live when they are too old to play. Well, that's a contrast between what I would call Super Bowl playoff mentality and what we are enjoined by the gospel epistle and Old Testament reading for this morning. A perspective on superficial spectacular, countering short-term hype from attention to long-term living. Apart from spiritual worship and gospel um, readings, it's very, very early right now to tell how things are going to turn out in the Super Bowl universe. But you can bet, in the end, all of us will be cut from the team and perhaps from life and return to God. In life, it's best to develop a way of engaging with God so that in the game of life hereafter, you will feel at home. Short-term hype will never get you there. Thank you for listening to this week's episode on An Episcopal Sermon Podcast. May this episode inspire you to apply lessons from these teachings to your everyday life. If you found inspiration in this episode, go ahead and subscribe to this podcast through the channel of your choice and spread the word. If you would like to see the full service from which today's sermon was drawn, visit our YouTube channel linked in the show notes of this episode. If you would like to support this podcast, feel free to donate any amount to our listeners' support on Anchor or visit the donation page on our website, www.churchinalmaden.org slash donations. 